I know truth. I know what scripture says. I know what the word says about God, but my actions don't align with what I know. And that unbelief that I'm constantly having to fight is that God really can't do what he says he can. He's the provider, but he won't provide for me because someone else's needs are greater. If he is my dependency, then I'm taking away the ability for him to provide for somebody else. And that's a lie. It's a lie straight from the enemy because we serve a God that is omnipresent. He can be with me and he can be with my friends. He's omnipotent. He is all powerful. He is power. Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope found in Jesus. I'm Robin, and I am here with Katie and Lindy, and we are your podcast hosts. And Happy New Year! Happy New Year! <laughs> we are so excited to be back with y'all. And being the beginning of a new year, we wanted to tell you a little bit about Storytellers Live. Y'all may have been listening for five years, or this may be your very first episode. But we want to just tell you a little bit about who we are. I'm Robin, and I'm the founder of Storytellers Live, and I'm also over all of our communities and over story coaching. So what that means is we are more than just a podcast. We are actually live gatherings all around the country. There are currently nine cities with three new ones starting this semester. And I work with all of our communities to make sure to help them find storytellers, to help them coach those storytellers and find God in their story. They're all recorded. And then some of them become our podcast episodes. And so Lindy, tell us a little bit about you and the podcast. Yes, I'm Lindy. And I'm so excited to be a part of this ministry where everyday women just share stories of hope found in Jesus. And we do record those mainly at live gatherings. And then we air a podcast, as you know, because you're listening to it every Wednesday. And part of our podcast area, we also offer a Patreon community where you can subscribe for $5 or $10 a month and receive extra content. Katie does a beautiful audio devotion every month on a specific topic. And we also offer things like Where Are They Now? and Stories Within the Story and Continue the Conversation. And what I get to do for storytellers Live as I serve as the development director, where I work with all of our donors. And thank you, everyone who yes, donated yes, to yes, Storytellers yes. in 2022. You guys serve our ministry so well, and you keep the lights mm-hmm. on, you keep us paying mm-hmm. our podcast editor, and really getting these stories literally around the world. And we're so appreciative of those who donate to our ministry. And then also, I get to plan our fundraisers, which we are having one here in Vestavia, March the 15th. And you'll hear more about that on our podcast mm-hmm. later this month. Katie? Well, my name is Katie Dunn, and I just have the privilege of being the director of content here at Storytellers, which that means, you know, I get to help with deciding the podcast schedule and anything we say in written form usually comes through my hand at some point. Mm -hmm. But um, one of the main things that I've gotten to do is to write two of our Bible studies in the When God Shows Up series. We have a Stories of Freedom Bible study, and then we have a Stories of Hope Bible study, and then we also have a Stories of Freedom Bible study. And I do want to let you guys know that there are two two opportunities to join in a small group for Stories of Freedom this semester. One of them is locally here in Birmingham, Alabama, that's going to be starting on January 12th. Another one, if you're not in Birmingham and you're looking for a Zoom Bible study, I am thrilled that Courtney Dole, who actually is on our team in Katy, Texas, she's also shared her story in the past as episode 71, and she was also featured in our Discovering God and Stories of Hope Bible study, the first Bible study there. But she is going to be leading a Zoom Bible study beginning on January 24th. If you want more information on those Bible studies, you can go to our website and click on those to sign up or get more information. 
But also, like Lindy said, I'm also involved in Patreon. And, you know, I get so many questions from people that say, what exactly is Patreon? As Lindy said, yes, it is a way to support the ministry by donating 5 or $10 a month. And you do get a lot of extra content. But some people say, well, how do I even get that content? You know what it does? You sign up and it, it immediately goes to your email. You can click on that email to get the content. Or Robin loves it to coming <laughs> yes. through her podcast feed. You can do that as well. And if you want information on how to get Patreon on your podcast feed, you can go to our Instagram account at Storytellers Live Podcast. But anyway, that's kind of what we're about. And Robin, I think we're about to get into our first story of 2023 today. We are so excited to bring y'all Kristen Church from one of our gatherings in Katy, Texas. And Kristen just has a fantastic story that I think will really encourage you for the new year. Yeah, you know, it's funny. When I first heard Kristen's story, it was just a no-brainer that she would kick off 2023 because her story is all about God being a provider. And when do we need to really dig in and remember that? I think it's in a new (laughs) year for sure. And in fact, you know, going back to talking about Patreon, one of the things that we offer on Patreon is the Dig Deeper Audio Devotion, and that will be offered on Patreon this Friday. And what I'm going to do in that this week is just really dig into this concept of God as Jehovah Jireh and what that actually means from the Bible and what it means for each one of us today. So I'm excited for you to hear Kristen's story. I'm excited for you to be encouraged in your walk with God and to really just dig into Him, especially in this new year, as Him being your provider and Him being the only one who can meet all of your needs. Here's Kristen. Honestly, I didn't really want to be here today. And and you'll see that that's kind of woven a lot into my story today. I had kind of joked with, with Christine and Hethel last week that I was really praying I would get the flu and that they would have to find someone else to stand in. I've never prayed for the flu, but I don't have the sniffles and I'm not sick. So here I am. But um, I, Landon and I have been married going on 10 years now. We have four kids, an eight-year-old, a seven-year-old, a two-year-old, and an eight-month-old, and they're all strong-willed. We still don't really know where they got that from. We'll just consider it a gift. But we have not lived in Texas our whole lives. We moved here right after we got married. And the saying, like, we got to Texas as fast as we could is kind of the joke, but it is a little bit true in our case. And we're excited to be here. And through our story, the Lord has just provided for us time and time again. And moving to Texas right after we got married with no family, um, no kids yet, And the provision of just community and friendships was just another way. And so many of you are a testament to that community and those friendships. And so I do thank you for that. But just a little background on me. I grew up in a Christian home. I had two parents, still do have two parents that love the Lord. I am the oldest of three. I have two younger brothers. And we were raised in a home where we did have a foundation of Christ. We were at church most Sundays and Wednesdays. We kind of like were born in the church, as you would say. And my parents taught us a lot of scriptural foundational truths in our home. We spent a lot of time serving other people. They really modeled that for us. We used to serve at homeless shelters a lot. We would serve at nursing homes. We would make meals for people. And that was something that I treasure about my childhood and what I learned from my parents. And I love to still try to emulate that with our own family now. I was saved at five. And when I think about that, I really don't have a ton of memory prior to salvation. I don't really remember what life was like before a relationship with the Lord. But I do know that I didn't understand the depth of what that salvation really looks like and what the Lord really can do and has done in my life. It took until I was about 19 or 20 when I really understood the depth of my sin, when I really understood what Jesus' sacrifice truly meant and what that undeserved grace really is. 
when I was in high school, I entered a period in a season of life that was about five to six years where I did reject the conviction of sin in my life. And by rejecting that conviction of sin, I, I rejected the Lord most of the time. But I was a people pleaser. I was your typical oldest child. I desired to please my parents and to please my friends and to please other people around me. And in that season, that people pleasing was really more consumed with friends and boyfriends than it was the Lord. And honestly, that period of my life really could be its own story. But today, that's not the story that the Lord has laid on my heart to share with you. Today, the story that the Lord has laid on my heart to share with you is one about His provision. And so when I think about that word provision, the name of God, Jehovah Jireh, has just kind of been on repeat in my mind and in my heart. And when you think about what that name means, it really means that God will provide. Not He has provided, but that He will provide. When I think about the entire entirety of my story from birth until now, I have seen his hand in that through every season. When I was a child and living in my parents' home, my parents went through a lot of financial stress growing up, and the Lord provided endlessly for them. And most of the time, it was through the hands and feet of other people. And it was people that didn't even know that they were being used by God to provide for them. I saw that many times where people would just show up with a meal not knowing that my parents weren't going to be able to buy groceries that week had they not dropped a meal off. In the season where I was rejecting the Lord, He provided. He provided mentors in my life. He provided discernment for my parents to know when I was living in sin. He provided correction and discipline. And honestly, if that provision had not happened, my life probably would look vastly different than it does today. And I'm thankful for that. But it's really in my adult years when I began to have a deeper understanding of what it means for God to be the Jehovah Jireh. And so that's really where our story kind of sits today. Landon and I were married in May of 2013, and we were married in Lynchburg, Virginia, where we had lived for four years in college. We got in the car the day after the wedding, and we drove to Florida for our really cool honeymoon in Pensacola. We were just rolling in it at the time. We were there for about a week, and we then drove to, into Houston. And I remember the feeling of excitement. We really had done the leave and cleave quite literally. Our families were, the closest family was his and they were eight hours away. Mine was about 20 hours away. And so I remember feeling really excited. In fact, I am a very, if you know me, which most of you do, I'm a very independent person. And I probably pride myself in that more than I should. And we'll kind of get to that a little bit later. But I was excited. I was like, I'm far from home. This is so cool. I have the freedom to just, Landon and I can do what we want. We can enjoy this. It's going to be fun. And it felt like a new adventure. And when I think back on it now, I pushed, I think, a lot of fears aside. And that's very typical of me. I kind of downplay my own fears. So when I think about that, what were some of the fears that I downplayed in the, that season? I was a little scared. I'm an extrovert. I'm a people person. And I didn't know anyone. I thrive with friendships and I thrive with community. Relationships to me are far more important than things. And I didn't know a single soul. It was just me and Landon. And I was a little scared. What if people don't like me? What if I don't find real friendships? What if the insecurity of this inhibits this community from forming. But oftentimes, I would just kind of downplay those emotions and push them to the side, right? We often do. We were married for about three months. We had been living in someone else's home. A host home was had us living there, these two married couple, which is so weird to think about now. They were so kind to do that. I'm like, I don't know that I would have two newlyweds living in my upstairs, but they did. They didn't have children, so that probably helped. But 
I found out that I was two months pregnant, three months into being married. I still don't know how that happened, but we were very much living on love, like Alan Jackson says. We had no money. I was doing my student teaching, and if any of you have ever been a teacher before, student teaching doesn't pay. It is a free job that's rewarded with the compliments and notes of children, (laughs) quite literally. (laughs) And Landon was an intern at our local church. That also didn't pay a whole lot at the time. This was about 10 years ago. And we really were having a hard time just affording our own basic needs. We were in a season where we were needing to find an apartment to live in. And we didn't really know how are we going to afford this apartment. We're on one really tiny little income. We really had a difficult time just purchasing groceries like mac and cheese and rice for the two of us to eat. There wasn't a lot of financial provision in that season and we really were desiring it. So when we found out that we were pregnant with Liam, it was a little scary. It was one of those things where it's like, we can't buy our own food. How are we going to buy diapers for a baby? And the Lord continued to provide. And when we look back, I see it so often. There were so many people that just showed up for us. And I was thinking this morning, the Lord brought to mind, there was one time I think Liam was about four months old, and Landon and I got the stomach bug really bad. We didn't have anyone around to help, and our friends just knew that we were sick, and they just came and got Liam and just kept him for the whole day, and just little memories of things like that, that over time, just provisions that you don't even know are a provision at the time. There were often times that people would just bring us diapers, not knowing we couldn't afford diapers that month, or Liam couldn't breastfeed, so he was a formula-fed baby. That's really expensive. Families would just sometimes offer to take us out to dinner, and they didn't know that we couldn't eat dinner that night. Like, had they not offered to go out to dinner with us, we wouldn't have had food for us that night. And so there were so many moments like that in that season that the Lord just continued to provide. And I, when I think about that season, I didn't even realize he was doing it. I knew in some ways, when it came to financial stress, I knew in some ways that those provisions were happening, but I didn't realize the depth of it. I didn't realize exactly how timely every single incident was until I look back on it now. I do remember, though, often comparing my season to the life of my friends around me. Most of our friends were just getting married, had just gotten married, or weren't married yet. Hardly any of them had kids yet. We were the only ones with a child. And I remember watching them embark on really fun adventures like traveling and really fun date nights and buying homes and just desiring that. And so excited for them, but desiring that for us too. And some, But I also remember kind of pushing that aside. Like, you know what? I am so happy for them. The Lord's got us. He knows what he's doing. I know the truth. I was raised on scripture. I know what his word says, but there was kind of an internal struggle of, will that happen for me? I don't know. I don't know if it will. We were about 10 months in with Liam when we found out we were having Harper. And she is our first firecracker. We have two of them. She is the first of the two. And she was born in November of 2015. About midway through that pregnancy, we found out that there were some complications. We realized that there's something wrong with her kidneys, and we didn't really quite know what that was until she was born. So in November, she was born. We were about a month into her life, and her left kidney was protruding from her back. You could see it. You could feel it. It was filled with urine. She had to have a procedure at one month. So we had to wait a whole year to really fix the problem because that was just like a Band-Aid to what was actually going on. So one year into her life, she had surgery and had half of her kidney removed. And we were kind of faced with the option of you can keep her on medicine, that's just bandaging these UTIs she's going to continually get. You can 
face the fear of like there could be septis at some point if you don't really fix the problem or you can remove half the kidney. And for us in that moment, the best decision was to remove the kidney. And we did. And she has been great. And it never slowed her down one time and still hasn't. And she's just fine. But that was another season of why. Why, Lord? You know we already can't afford things as it is. Why are you allowing us to continue to go through these seasons? And what I couldn't see then was that what he was really preparing us for was a future season that we had no idea was coming. There was a constant struggle and questioning of why and a desire of wanting something that we just weren't getting. In 2016, we finally, this was right before Harper turned one, we had been living in a a second floor apartment and there had been some violence happening at the apartment complex and we had these two babies and most of the time it was me getting them in and out of the apartment on my own because Landon was at work. And so we had really been praying the Lord would just provide a home for us to move into. We knew that buying a home was out of the question, but just something for us to rent to move into. And he did. And we were so excited about it. We lived in the house for about three months. And um, it was December 30th, 2016. We were in the front yard playing with Christmas toys. And we hear this huge crash. And Landon goes running to the backyard. It sounded like an explosion. And there was literally a car sitting in our bathtub. And we were like, what in the world? How did this happen? Like how we had a big backyard. How could someone drive their car? into our house without stopping. And it kind of felt a little defeating. Like we've finally gotten at this home and now we can't live here. Our things are gone. They're ruined. Obviously we didn't own the home. So that was kind of a nice thing at the time. We didn't have to deal with that, but we didn't have anywhere to stay. There was a family that had been living here for a few years and they had kind of been like parents to us since we had lived here. And they lived just down the road and they they took us in and they were like, hey, you know what? We have a completely upstairs that's empty. Our girls are in college. We don't have anybody here. Why don't y'all just come live with us? Don't move into a hotel. You've got two toddlers. That doesn't really feel like that would work. So come live with us um, in our upstairs. Please don't pay us any money. It can be rent-free while your home is being fixed. And it was really hard. There were We had these two 20-something-year-old people living in their upstairs with these crazy wild toddlers who were wild. I cried almost daily about parenting two toddlers at that time. What we didn't realize the Lord was doing in that situation is that had we not lived with this family who was family to us, we would not have been able to pay off the debt that we had accrued the years before building up when we could barely afford our own groceries, when we were paying electric bills on credit cards. And we couldn't see it even in that moment. We can see it now looking back. But in that moment, it was just another why. Why now? We finally got in this home. We finally had our kids in their own rooms. We finally had you fill in the blank and it's taken from us. Why? And now it's so clear why. And it was such a blessing to us then. But in those early years of marriage, we did. We experienced a lot of financial stress. We were constantly praying that the Lord would provide a permanent home. And oftentimes his answer was not yet. There's a lot of moving from rental to rental. In those early years, we experienced a lot of loneliness. We were just two kids with two kids ourselves. And we didn't have family nearby. We had community that loved us far more than we deserved. But there were many moments of loneliness. But when you fast forward a little bit, for the next couple of years, we continued to pray for more financial freedom. Um, We continued to save and things like that. But Landon and I also gained more responsibility in our professions. We both started our master's, which seems crazy when you think back that we had these kids and all this trouble, and then we decided to embark on our master's. But we're a little bit crazy like that. And in 2019, the Lord finally said yes, and we were able to buy a home. And that was really exciting. I remember feeling just relief, like finally, we don't have to move in 12 months. We don't have to think about what's going to happen when the lease is up. I don't have to pack everything up again. This is going to be nice to just have something that feels permanent. 
But the thing is, is things are really just things. And when I think about how I was feeling in 2019 about that house, I still had no idea what was to come. And although I felt a little bit of relief, my relief was from a thing. That's where I was getting my relief at the time. In 2020, we had Hudson, we finished our master's, and the world shut down. We all pretty much remember that. (laughs) It's a little wild. But even as wild as 2020 was, it wasn't until the end of 2020 that things in our life really just amplified. We had experienced a lot of trials up until 2020. Not just ourselves, but our friends had experienced a lot. We had gone through some tough things, some tough seasons, some showing up for people and people showing up for us. But I never could have anticipated what was going to come at the end of 2020. So bear with me as I kind of go through just a highlight of the timeline over the last two years. At the end of 2020, on December 25th, a really close friend of ours and a member of our church passed away and left behind her four kids and her husband. And that was a really hard season to walk through. In February, my great-grandfather passed away. In March, I tested positive for both COVID and pregnancy on the exact same day. In May, Landon had a kidney stone surgery and I miscarried on the same day. In July, we found out that we were pregnant with Hayes. In August, Landon tore his Achilles. In October, my car was totaled and it took about three months to get a new one. In January of 2022, our house flooded and the next day we got bed bugs at a hotel which then infested our upstairs. In February, we had haze, and in March, we moved into our house, finally. But in the midst of many of these highlights, there was a lot of attacks from the enemy. Those were through relationships, both with friends, family, and in ministry. We walked through some really tough conversations, some really heartbreaking circumstances with others, and we had a lot of struggles even within our own home. There was oftentimes in that season when I think about the emotions, they're still very raw. They're still very much on the forefront of where we are. And if I'm being honest with you, a lot of what I talk about in the next few minutes is still very much alive in our lives today. We would look at each other a lot of times at night and when something would happen and just be like, okay, what's next? What's going to happen next? We literally went through something almost every single month for about 18 months. And we were desperately broken on the inside. We had this internal struggle of, I know what the truth says. And I very much believed it. I knew that God was a provider. I knew that. I had seen him do it in every season before. I knew that. I knew the truth. But I also had your just very raw human emotions of, I know that God is in control, but why is the enemy attacking us? We're doing all the things. We're in ministry. We're showing up for other people. We're spending time with the Lord. We desire good things. Why are all of these attacks coming? I would lay awake in bed, oftentimes just begging the enemy to flee our lives. I remember there would just be nights, everyone else was asleep in her house, and I would just be wrestling with the Lord, just begging him for Satan to leave, for him to like flee from our lives, to flee from our friends, flee from our home, to flee from the people in our church and our ministry. But it was in that season that I really drew near to God as well, where the intimacy was at a completely different level than I've ever experienced before. I had a hunger for his word. There was so much going on in our lives. I didn't really know where to turn or what to do, that it was really the Lord who could fulfill that hunger and the time with him. A desire to know his word at a much greater depth. But the more that I drew near and the more ministry we embarked on, honestly, the harder the attacks of the enemy. And if I'm being honest with you, they haven't stopped. They still keep coming. But that's okay. That's part of the story, right? 
I've learned so many things about his character and his promises over the last two years, more than ever before. But I think a lot of what he's been trying to teach me through this is exactly what I keep overlooking. It's the same things that I pride myself in, and that's exactly what he's been trying to refine. I would find myself praying things like, Lord, I know that you're the Jehovah Jireh. I know that you're the provider. I've seen you provide. You are providing. I'm witnessing it. I know that you will provide this, whatever it might be that I was asking for in those moments. But I would also beg him to end the season of trial. I would beg him for insurance to just comply so that we could have our things back and we can move into our home. I would beg him for relationships to be restored, for peace, for discernment, for circumstances and the brokenness to end. But at those same times, I was also really focused on serving my friends. I have such a strong desire to show up for other people, but I have a really hard time letting other people show up for me. Oftentimes in, the, in this season, especially when we were not in our home or some of the craziness was going on, people would just casually be like, how's everything going? Not even knowing. And I'd be like, you know, it's fine. Things are good. Life is great. And I, I would essentially lie to them. Life wasn't great. I would tell myself it was, but it wasn't. It was, it was pretty hard, to be honest with you. And I would downplay so much of what was going on. And as I was downplaying it to others, I was also downplaying it to myself. So I really believed life was fine. When I said, it's fine, I, I meant that. Because it felt like my friends were going through a lot of stuff too. And people that we were doing ministry with, they were going through a lot of really hard things. And so to me, I felt like what I was going through really was like minute in comparison to what others were going through. And so not only was I downplaying it to them, but I downplayed it to myself oftentimes. In this season, I managed my emotions by really not allowing myself to feel broken. It was very rare that I would have a breakdown. I would just kind of push some of those feelings aside. It was really in the evenings when everyone was asleep that I would find myself feeling the most broken. But in the day-to-day things, I was fine. I was able to move on and focus on other things and wanting to show up for other people in our lives and trying to be strong for myself and others. And I would say things like, I have no control over what's happening anyway, so why really feel upset about it? I can't change the situation, so I'm not going to sit in it. Oftentimes, that's how I attack a lot of my situations. And sometimes that appears like a strong way to attack it, but by doing that, I'm allowing an intimacy with the Lord. It's prohibiting a dependency on Him. I would also just totally omit when people would ask us what was going on, things like, oh, you know, our house flooded and we got bed bugs. Or, you know, my husband's having kidney surgery and um, I miscarried today. I I would just leave that out. I wouldn't even tell people what was going on. We remained completely private. We found a safety, I think, in not telling others about what was happening in our lives. By being independent and trying to handle it ourselves, it felt safer that way. It feels safer to be like, you know what, I got it. When I think about that, Oftentimes, when you look at what's going on, there's a fear behind it. And when I think about the struggles that we've gone through and the lessons learned, and I think about the fear that I still have to fight every day, I have a fear of burdening other people. We all go through stuff. We all have really hard seasons. And oftentimes, I feel like the seasons that my friends are going through or the seasons that are happening in their lives are are harder. And I don't want to burden them with the things that I have going on. As a ministry family, the majority of our lives consists of showing up for other people. And so for me, I felt like if I am telling everyone what's going on in my life, I'm creating another burden for you. And that's not what I want. I also have a fear of looking weak, like I can't handle it. I take pride in being independent. 
being strong. And when you have to be raw and vulnerable like I am right now, there's, a, there's an appearance of weakness. Most of the time I'm thankful for my ability to be independent and strong, but I'm beginning to learn a little bit the hard way. It's that same independence that created disciplines in me is the same one that also hinders my relationships with my friends and with the Lord. I feel safe when I'm not dependent on others, but when I don't let people in, I'm hurting them as well. They want to show up. If I don't tell them what's going on, they can't show up. I also have a fear of being the center of attention. I could literally talk to a brick wall all day long. I have no problem with words, but I really feel highly uncomfortable when I have to talk about myself. I don't enjoy that. I don't like to talk about my problems. And at this season, honestly, the thought of even sharing, when we got pregnant with Hayes, I was thinking back this morning, when we got pregnant with Hayes, I had a hard time even telling people that I was pregnant. Not because I had miscarried before, but honestly, because I just didn't want to be the center of attention. I didn't want people's attention on me. It, it felt I wanted to make other people the attention, but it was almost this word feels extreme, but almost repulsive to me to make myself the center of attention. And that was really difficult in that season. And these fears that I thought were keeping me safe were really just creating more harm than good. There's been a lot of work that's had to be done over the last few years to undo some of that harm. Our desire to not burden our friends with life circumstances and trials instead created barriers and walls between them that we didn't intentionally want there. People in our lives wanted to be there and they wanted to show up for us, but they can't if we don't tell them what's going on. So when I think about all of this and what I've learned, we've been going through a Bible study at church recently on having a personal revival with Jesus and looking at those ugly fruits in our lives that are hanging low. And those ugly fruits, they stem from something, right? They stem from a root that's really deep under the surface. And oftentimes that root is what we're missing. And so when, I'm, when I was beginning to weave that practice into this story and into my life and just reflecting on things, it became really clear that my inability to allow others to show up for us in those hard seasons, the inability to be vulnerable, stems from a pride and a fear. But the real issue really has more to do with an unbelief that I have about God. One that I have a hard time allowing myself to see because I know truth. I know what scripture says. I know what the word says about God. But my actions don't align with what I know. And that unbelief that I'm constantly having to fight is that God really can't do what he says he can. He's the provider, but he won't provide for me because someone else's needs are greater. If he is my dependency, then I'm taking away the ability for him to provide for somebody else. And that's a lie. It's a lie straight from the enemy because we serve a God that is omnipresent. He can be with me and he can be with my friends. He's omnipotent. He is all powerful. He is power. And so as I was preparing to tell you my story this week, the Lord kind of reminded me of the Ebenezer Rock. And I don't think it's a coincidence that when Landon and I got married, his dad gave us these rocks. And he engraved on them Ebenezer with our names and the date of our wedding anniversary. And in that day in May, it was a beautiful day in Virginia, none of us really knew what the next decade of our lives would look like. But I think that God did. It's not by coincidence that we were given these. The Ebenezer Rock is in biblical times, it's a pile of rocks that are stacked together as a reminder of the great events and, and people's lives and, and nations. And it literally means, the word Ebenezer literally means stone of help. So when you think in Bible times, Samuel erected what was a constant reminder to the nation of Israel that God had protected them and led them to victory. God was their helper, and this was the visual reminder of that truth. So over the last two years, we've gone through some really crazy trials. But he's continued to meet our needs over and over again. When I think on the many Ebenezers over the last two years, we had um, the loss of a friend. 
We had the loss of a home, the loss of a child. We had the loss of um, relationships in some ways. We had the loss of cars. We had the loss of our dignity at times, the loss of our independence. We had the loss of a lot of things, but each of those things were an Ebenezer. Because when I stand here today and I had to write out this timeline, it really forced me to think about those stones that the Lord has erected in our lives and the ways that he has come through. And financially, when I look at that, I think there's really three major categories. And financially, we were blessed through meals, gift cards, scooters when Landon broke his Achilles. We were, bro- we were blessed with, I mean, thing beyond thing beyond thing that people didn't even know were a need that we had. We had never expressed a need. People would just show up with flowers or coffee, not even knowing what was going on because we hadn't even told them. They only knew maybe a small glimpse and they thought that that was like a kindness and encouragement, not even realizing the depth of everything going on. But we also saw in our community, even though we didn't really share with people, the Lord would lay it on their heart to just show up, to just be there, to ask us, to make us tell them what was going on. He also met us spiritually. He met us where we were and it's created a shift in our depth, and in our posture. It's created a shift in our dependency on Him and less on ourselves. And I I can't stand here and tell you that I am dependent on the Lord, because that would be a lie. It is a daily surrender that I'm having to fight. I mean, even to come here today, I prayed to get the flu. Like, that is just another picture of how I am struggling to stand up here and tell you, because it is a daily dying to my own self and my own safety and comfort and a daily surrender on the Lord and the people and the things that he has placed in our lives. And so I don't know what if we're past this season of trial. And if I'm being honest with you, I don't think we are. I think that we're just in the midst of it. And I think we're in a slower period of it, but I don't think we're done with the trial yet. But I do know that with each of these circumstances and situations that the Lord has reminded me that he is our Ebenezer and that he is the Jehovah Jireh and he will continue to provide. Whether I allow him to or I don't, he's going to provide. But I want to be on the ride with him. I want to be dependent upon him and I want my safety to come from him and not from my independence or from myself. Thank you. At the end of Kristen's story, there was something that she said that resonated with me so much that I want to start with the end and (laughs) and work backwards in this story. And that is the fact that she loved showing up for other people, but wouldn't let people show up for her. I think that's so easy for us to do. I know I find myself being unintentionally private. Like, I don't mean to be. Hmm. I just can find myself loving to help other people. It's what we do at Storytellers okay. is listening to other stories and then sometimes can find myself just not being super open and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And hearing Kristen talk about that made me think, like, why, why is that? Why do we behave that way? And maybe not everyone yeah. behaves that way, but I definitely found it resonating. I, I love me. those that wording, unintentionally private, you know? <laughs> that's because right. I think that yeah. that's just an easy place to stay and, and, you know, that idea of just taking pride and I'm strong enough to get through this. Yeah. And, and, you know, what really stuck out to me, and, um, and we used it in her quote at the beginning of her story, was the idea of thinking, I don't want to, 
honestly burden God with my problems because my problems are minute compared to the world's problems that are going on or people in my life's problems that are that they're walking through. And you know, if you've listened to the podcast for a while, you know that we have a daughter who has had multiple surgeries and and it's so easy to compare your heart to someone else's heart. Right. And I will never forget being at the lacrosse field about a year ago and a friend's husband had had cancer. And so we were talking about that. How are you doing? And then she was asking me about my daughter. And I was very quick to say, oh, but it's nothing like what you've gone through. Mm-hmm. And she looked at me and she said, hey, we are not here to compare hard. Oh. And it was so freeing to me to go, oh, you're right. Yes, you've been walking through this, but but it validated what we had been walking through as a family as well and not minimizing how God shows up for each one of us. Absolutely. And just the, the beautiful picture of Jehovah Jireh, mm-hmm. God the provider, mm-hmm. and how she literally took time, the spiritual discipline of looking back. I think it's I think it is a spiritual discipline of looking back and remembering all that God has done so that you can move forward with him yeah. and take that next step of faith. And so I think that's what we're bringing to the table early January yes. 2023 of just look back, look back a year and mm-hmm. then look back five years, visit some old journals and see how Jehovah Jireh has provided for you. And then what steps of faith is he preparing you for for 2023? Next week, we have a beautiful story out of Tupelo about miracles. And so it's it's going to be interesting. Interesting to see how looking back ties with what we see these these miracles in this story. Yeah, and I and I think too, you know, a lot of times when we think of God as provider, we think financially, uh-huh, you know. No. But God is also our provider for healing, for comfort, for wisdom, for peace, for joy. I mean, all of these things, He is your provider, and He wants to meet your every need. And so, yes, next week's story is a story of miracle upon miracle. That is actually what it is titled. Um, It's one you definitely don't want to miss. And it's one that's going to have you thinking about where God showed up in your life as a provider and in many miracles over your past as well. So we hope you'll tune in for that. And you heard us talk at the beginning. We introduced ourselves. We talked about our jobs. But y'all, there are so many people behind the scenes that keep storytellers live afloat. As you say, it takes a village. It takes a village. <laughs> and so we just want to start off the new year thanking our team. We have Katie Robinson, who is our cheerleader. She helps with fundraising. She makes things look pretty when we have events. We've got Amy Grody, who you get to hear if you're a Patreon member. She is, She's really taking over the content for Patreon alongside Katie. And we've got Abby Kirk. If you follow us on social media, she (laughs) has changed our lives by taking over social media. We've got Jessica Hose, who has just come in to help us with marketing. And we have Libby House, who keeps this place afloat on email. If you reach out to us, she is the one that responds to you. And she helps administratively all the things we do. And then Kristen Solomon, who has saved us financially. (laughs) I I love you, Kristen (laughs) Solomon. She's taken over the book. And y'all, that's a lot of people that help us do what we do. Not to mention our team leaders all over the country and our community groups that are all over the country as well. So there are so many women, just incredible women who really have a heart for the Lord and have a heart for sharing stories. So we just want to kick off this new year telling you how incredibly grateful we are for every single woman that helps us 
keep this ship afloat and and really walks out the calling that God has for Storytellers Live. So thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you next week. Bye.